Just a quick reminder that that guy who bullied you from high school, he votes. Your uncle, who believes that the moon landing is a hoax, he votes. Your friend's racist grandma, she votes. She votes. Your estranged aunt, who is severely homophobic, she votes. And she gets all of her friends to vote, too. Just in case you were wondering if it was worth the effort tomorrow. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. All right, well, hello, everybody. Very interesting um, time frame for the show today. I'm recording this at 3.50 in the morning, 10 till 4 a.m. on November 10th. And there is a very good reason why. And I'll explain, along with many other things that I'm not exactly sure were going to go the way that I planned when the show was supposed to be recorded last night at 9 o'clock. This is a Stone on Air podcast. I don't know how early mornings are for everybody else. I really do envy the person that can wake up and just feel good and ah, oh, ah, oh, stretch and yawn. I got another day. Oh, thank God for another day above ground. You know, I wake up every day, no matter what time it is, generally speaking, and think, oh God, here we go again. But I never wake up early and feel good, except for every now and again, a shock to the system like I have today. And you probably experience this at some point, whether you like mornings or not, but where you have that like, hey, this ain't too bad. I feel pretty good. This this isn't all that bad after all. And then like less than an hour later, you're like, oh, God, spare me this mess. And that happened to me on the uh, time change. It's happened to me right now, but it happened to me at the time change. I specifically decided to not lose as more of that day than I had to. The Titans were on that night. I wanted to be up at like 7.30 in the morning. I was watching football Saturday early, and so it was no problem just to get to bed at a decent hour. And I was up at 7.30 in the morning, and I went to Hardee's, and I got biscuits and gravy, which was one of my childhood favorite memories of getting biscuits and gravy from Hardee's. And was just like, oh, man, this is great. And then like around 10.45, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I need a nap. <laughs> it's not even noon. You're like, what am I supposed to do? I'm laying on the floor, like playing with the cat, trying to find something on TV to watch, thinking, what can I possibly do to kill all this time all day? And I didn't end up uh, uh, taking that nap. And I went to the market and did a little day drinking, which was a bad idea, and then did an afternoon nap. And they got up and watched the Titans and stayed up late and um, kind of ruined the whole <laughs> the whole concept of let's not lose any of this day, I guess, I don't know, I guess I, I got a lot in for the most part. But anyway, I will explain in the final segment of the show why this show is being recorded at nearly 4 a.m. in the morning. And it should be posted by, I'm hoping, 5 o'clock. So if, uh, I don't know what first thing is to everybody else, I know some people look for it first thing on Thursdays. Thank you so much for those of you that do. I hope 5 a.m. is not first thing. I'd like to think it's... For most people, a little later than that, but I do know that uh, many schedules are different. So it might be a little late today, but at this point, you already know that. Coming up in the second segment of the show, wait, how am I going to do this? Yeah, because I flip-flopped all of this. 
the second segment, I'm going to do some of the political fallout um, locally and nationally, more more locally. And um, I have a few. I don't even remember what I printed off. I was trying to do this show prep on Wednesday. And again, I want to go into the third segment now. But I'm, I'm having a, a major pain. And it, it's not serious. I'm going to be fine. But uh, again, all that a little bit later on. So the show prep is all kinds of all over the place. And it might this show might be actually for once when I say it might be earlier than normal or shorter than normal. This might be an actual case where it is. But that'll be the second segment and the third segment, as I mentioned. What the hell is going on with my uh, jacked up world? I'll get you three pieces of audio, to be just completely honest, just kind of a little uh, half-assed. I mean, throwing these things together last minute. Worst idea, they can't argue with either thing, and uh, also a, a pretty bad bad thing. And those are mostly political related. So um, as I mentioned, that that mid-segment, will I'm going to talk a little politics. I know that most people don't want that, but since that is the story of the week then for the most part at least until something popped up here locally yesterday which is not nearly important in any way which i'll get to in just a matter of seconds at the being the signal moving to the chattanooga choo-choo a couple other things uh facebook is continuously being um just uh, i i thought i had it straightened out to where i didn't get near as much mess um twitter has, has become really the place where where intellectual thought goes to die and I have not cleaned up Facebook completely. The snooze button was on heavy uh, usage yesterday. I try not to block people or or unfollow people that I I genuinely have some kind of connection with. I don't even have to have met them before. But if they're people in a circle of a creative group or a professional of any kind, I don't want those people to never be heard from again on my on my social media, especially since I don't hardly ever go out anymore. You know, my social life out in the downtown scene, which was once so vibrant, is not even really a thing anymore. So so I do think the snooze button is one of the greatest inventions in the history of social media. But it was working uh, overtime. And I, I, I snooze people I like a lot. Jason Walker, radio guy here in town. I snooze his ass every month. I might as well block him. Because he gets snoozed every time it gets unsnoozed. Love him to death, know him dearly personally, but on, it's on social, it's just annoying. I saw so many people going back and forth on election night. Had a long thread of about Stacey Abrahams, um, a long thread about John Federer, or uh, what's the dude in in Pennsylvania who can barely string a sentence together? Anyway, spelled with D's instead of two T's in the name. Really, really brainless stuff. And then <clears throat> I pretty much had to turn Twitter off. Uh, the a guy named Chris Saka, if you're into the tech world, you've likely heard of, has a long thread that I'm not going to bore with you you with reading. Um, that it's about Elon Musk and and all the Twitter mess. Of course, now he's 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 slashed you know half or more of all their uh, of the workforce just kind of haphazardly making decisions, pulling people down because of parody accounts. Just kind of seems like a drunk, drunken uh, uh, rich guy just that doesn't really know what he's doing with this with this this portion of, of tech. And Chris Saka, that's all he's ever done and invested in venture tech capital. It was a pretty interesting thing where he was like not killing the guy, but he was giving him a pretty good like, hey man, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to do it differently or you're going to totally ruin this this platform. And, um, you know, as I've mentioned regularly, I don't care who owns Twitter and wouldn't care if it went away. I, I'm not rooting for it to go away, but I wouldn't care. 
I went to uh, watch the Vols game with a bunch of people on Saturday. I was very much pulling for them to beat the Dogs, but that clearly wasn't going to happen. And I played along deep in the game just to give people I was around, big Vols fans, hope. They got their asses kicked from the jump. That was no good from the jump. And it's another instance of all the college football crazies. Well, what happens if so-and-so goes undefeated and so-and-so goes undefeated and only one loss here and only one? Slow down. Let the season play itself out. I know boring ass. We don't prep for a show, so we take phone calls. Sports talk radio that is very, very prevalent in this city is very good for that kind of ground. You know, that's a fertile ground for numbnuts to come on the air and throw all these hypotheticals together and then go back and forth and have a conversation about something that's very likely not going to happen. Slow down. Let the season play out. Vols still have a very good look at the playoffs. Going into election night, this is the least amount of time I spent on election night in probably my entire adult life. Probably. And I was very much looking forward to CNBC's coverage with my guy Shepard Smith and his show, The News, and to see what kind of different way they have for uh, presenting election night. Now, NBC is still their main news uh, sources, so... They all share that pool of information, MSNBC, National NBC, and uh, CNBC. And then right at the last minute, they canceled the damn show, canceled the the, the news program. They said at first it was going to go through the rest of the month, and they've replaced it just like that. I'm guessing maybe they didn't even want to deal with another election and just because they knew they were going to pull the plug anyway. But that's a damn shame because if you wanted real information, real news, of course, occasionally there would be a little bit of a slant. You could tell where somebody thought about something, but they didn't have panels. They didn't discuss with, hey, I have the Republican over here. I have the Democrat over here. Let's fight about something. It, it was an actual just, here's an hour of everything that happened today and chew on it and do whatever you want with it. It was a really, really good program. I watched it almost every night, and Shepard Smith is about as uh, as about as badass of a news anchor, as a deliverer of information as uh, almost anybody. He's He's in there with the Brian Williams of the world for me and the Keith Elbermans. He's he's in that same discussion. But uh, so that was a bummer. And uh, what else? I see the Leslie Jordan tribute will be uh, November 20th at the Tivoli. I don't know what that exactly consists of. Probably some kind of variety shows, performances. Uh, I think I saw it was like 20 bucks. So if that's something you're interested in doing. And then driving a crime this weekend at the Barrel House Ballroom. That's going to be Friday night if I can walk. Again, more on that later. I will go to that Friday, but it's not looking very good at this point. Not unless um, something changes pretty fast. But that was going to be my first trip to Barrel House Ballroom, and that segues pretty easily into just a few minutes here. I was going to potentially do a whole segment on it, but I just don't have it in me, and I don't have the information pulled. But it does look like the signal is moving from, uh, what is that? That's Chestnut over there, right? Right across from the stadium and next to Southside Social and next to the uh, Chattanooga Brewing Company. And what I thought was a pretty good space, when it first opened, it was a jump park, you know, for kids. And it was a pretty good space for that, too. But when they turned it into a music venue, I I was pretty happy with what they were doing. It kind of came in while Track 29 was still saying they were going to reopen, kind of put the final death nail on that idea. And I don't really know the entire timeline. The The ownership of the choo-choo is changing so much. I don't have the article that Barry Corder sent me uh, via my phone. It's on the charger over there, and it literally will take me 20 minutes to walk to the charger and back. And I, I don't really, at this point, the exact details are not 
that important, uh, but he did get me the information first. It was um, once upon a time, track 29 becomes a thing. 2011, right? We're all really excited. I'm barely 31 years old, still lots of vibrant youthfulness in me, and I'm able to, you know, go to shows during the week, and it was just, it was a a really cool idea to come to Chattanooga. We finally had a a venue that had real artists uh, regularly, and it, it had its ups and downs and its bumps and bruises, no doubt, but overall, it was done really well, and that's when I got to know the Kinseys well. And Adam was taken over, you know, president of the of the entire hotel and the Choo Choo itself. And you know, it was a really fun, booming time. And the economy was good. Uh, political tension wasn't where it is. It was just it was a really good time. And then you could see slowly it was starting to fall off for whatever reason. And whatever year that was, they started slowly chipping away at just getting rid of properties on the choo-choo. That is a massive property and one of my favorite properties in the city for a lot of different reasons, but for historical value, you know, that, that if nothing else, at least that. And so then they they were going to move into the convention center, the choo-choo convention center. that's right there to your left. When you pull in, it's a big white building. I've been in there for like a wedding reception once, like 15 years ago. I barely even remember it, or maybe it was some kind of banquet kind of gathering. And so apparently that's where the signal's going now to move into that space where track 29 once we're planning on moving to. It needs some renovations. Apparently it's 20,000 square feet. I don't know how big the signal is. It's pretty damn big too. I uh, can't really do that math in my head very well. But I you know I think this is good. Uh, I I I can't know that it's good. I haven't been to the signal in years, really. Um I can't think of the last time I went. It might be Nick Lutzko's CD release party where I did the emceeing in October of 2019. And considering uh, COVID was, you know, three months later, four months later, yeah, that must be the last time I was there because I haven't done anything that much fun in downtown since then for no real reason other than I just haven't. So I'm excited to see where it's going to go. John Wise is the, uh, I know he's the developer nobody likes. I don't know if he owns everything he develops and he's a landlord and a developer. I wouldn't know the guy if he walked in here and said, hey, I know it's 4.15 in the morning, but my name's John Wise. And I'm like, well, then get the hell out of my house, dude. Like, I have no clue who the guy is. I just know most everybody really dislikes him to borderline hates him. And I, I think a lot of it just has to do with design. I'm not sure. Surely it's more than just that. Surely there's some other animosity for other reasons. And so the first just rumor thought is, is that they needed to get out of the signal into that space and get somewhere more stable. You know, I don't know. That's my first just complete guess conjecture. I made it up out of thin air. Um, But I don't know any of the people who run Track 29 anymore. Uh, It was Chris Cobb who started the thing, who's a friend of mine. Tara used to run it. She's long gone. Um, I don't know any of the names anymore. I, the the choo choo I'm hearing is having all their train, a lot of their train cars poor, torn out and doing massive re- renovations. I hope for the better. I hope they're not going to strip the historical value and fun of that property. I don't know. I'm not around enough. But good luck to Signal. April uh, 23 is when they're planning on being there. The the current location will stay open until I think it said roughly February. So uh, we'll see how that unfolds. And then Barrel House Ballroom, hopefully I'll be there this weekend, get a good look at it. I hear a lot of great things. A lot, a lot, a lot of great things. And uh, hopefully I can report back to you on that one. All right, let's play a couple of stupid things here real quick before 
I get into some political fallout from the other day, and then what the hell is the matter with me to close out the show? This is today's worst idea. It's a trend that I often make fun of how stupid it is that people just copycat and follow trends. But if you still do it well, it's usually still pretty funny. Today's worst idea. P.O.V. You're a southern girl that meets a southern guy that wears snakeskin boots and wears a Huey hat. He drives a Duramax diesel, most likely financed at 14%. And you're contemplating applying for that job that requires you to wear scrubs. You get that job, so he decides it's time to refinance the Duramax so y'all can afford your trailer on 10 acres. You buy a purebred dog, most likely a golden doodle, and name it after a gun company. He's abusive, one of you cheats, so y'all decide the best thing to do is have a child. Life is good. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> hey, y'all. <laughs> so true. Uh, I know so many of those exact same people. Thank God it didn't turn out to be me. This is, it can't argue with either thing. I spliced two things together. One is DeSantis after winning in Florida, and the other is just some other random person speaking on the same thing, wokeness. One hates it, one doesn't, and I can't argue with either one of them. Dear. That's not it, that's it. We reject woke ideology. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. Honestly, whenever somebody complains of wokeness, all I see is an old person terrified that the world is moving on without them. They're not upset that Ariel is black. They're terrified that they're going to die and the world won't remember their contributions. I mean, I can't argue with either one of them. I'm one of the biggest haters of wokeness out there, but I'm also a pretty big hater of complete fraudulent assholes like Ron DeSanctimonious, um, even though I would... If the Republican Party can get their bleep together, which is what I'll spend some time on in the next segment, then he'll be the next president. They just can't seem to get out of their own damn way. And speaking of why things like that might happen, this is a... Political satire ad from 2018. Stumbled across it earlier. Figured I'd run with it. it the, today's also pretty bad thing. Dear young people. Don't vote. Don't vote. Everything's fine the way it is. Trump. That was us. He's our guy. Tax cuts for the rich? <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm rich as fuck. Climate change? That's a you problem. I'll be dead soon. Sure, school shootings are sad. But I haven't been in a school for 50 years. I can't keep track of which lives matter. Sure you don't like it. So, you'll like some meme on Instagram. If the weather is nice, maybe you could go to one of those little marches. You might even share this video on Facebook. But you won't vote. You young people never do. But I do. I do. I do. Midterms, primaries. Every single election. We'll be there, but you won't. Because we're a generation of doers. Not whiners. And we're doing great. It's a good spot. It's a good fake satire spot that uh, I remember running a, either two or four years ago, whatever, last uh, couple of election cycles, maybe both of them. And uh, that's the one thing I agree with the old person on the climate change thing. That's why uh, I'm a big environmental overall, like the grand scheme of just it's a great idea. Clean up, clean up after yourself, recycle, reuse, you know, all those things. I, I am a very much a supporter of all those things and do my part when I can. But when it comes to global climate concerns, there's not a whole lot of effort I can put into that. Like there's so many other things that I'm pretty worried about. And that's really far down on the list. And one of those is, is cause I'm over halfway through life. So like, I don't really care what happens to the, to the, to the planet in a hundred years from now. I know that sounds pretty selfish, 
but it's true. Speaking of selfish, every one of them, every damn politician, the political entertainment complex is just that. It's a television program that I try not to pay attention to as much as possible. The only problem is, is it's a governing of the country in which I live in, so it feels like I need to pay at least a little attention. More on that next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. So think about this. We have the worst inflation in four decades, the worst collapse in real wages in 40 years, the worst crime wave since the 1990s, the worst border crisis in U.S. history. We have Joe Biden, who is the least popular president since Harry Truman, since presidential polling happened, and there wasn't a red wave. That is a searing indictment of the Republican Party. That is a searing indictment of the message that we have been sending to the voters. They looked at all of that and said, and looked at the Republican alternative and said, no thanks. That is, that is a really, the Republican Party needs to do a really deep introspection look in the mirror right now because this is, this is an absolute disaster for the Republican Party and we need to turn back. You sure turning back and continuing to go backwards? I know that's what Republicans do best. Are you sure that's what you need to do? How about rid yourself of that asshole Trump and re- reshuffle the deck a little bit? How about that? You can still have many or maybe maybe all the same policies, whether I hate them or love them or most likely dislike, but just not have a demagogue as the mouthpiece. How about that? This is Driving and Crying. Again, Friday night, 20 in advance. I think it was 25 day of. Very interested in seeing what that new room looks and sounds like. Oh, well, there was a hiccup. Yeah, when I sat down at 3 a.m. to start this, of course, the crappy old PC's got to have its updates, and it just has a spinning beach ball for, like, 20 minutes. But you can't rush it. You got to let it do its thing. And then, so, then everything takes a little while to get loaded up. But here we are, quarter after 4 a.m., and rolling along pretty pretty good here. Um... So as of yesterday, I'm sure a lot of things have changed into last night and into the overnights. And by the time you hear this, that's the danger of doing this podcast or any podcast that has topical uh, subject matter is that the time moves so fast and the news cycle moves almost faster than the actual clock itself does. And so I was starting to do most of my prep on this Wednesday early afternoon. And at that point, Uh, Arizona and Nevada were still long before having everything in as, um, again, I think this was about one or two o'clock yesterday. The, the Nevada was still less than half the vote in and Arizona just over half the vote in. And if you remember in 2020, similar things were happening. I don't know. Pennsylvania seemed to get it together a lot quicker this year. I don't know if it's because of mail-in ballots or what, but Nevada and Arizona, what are you doing? Especially Nevada. You got nothing. You're like a military nuclear bomb testing facility is most of the state. There's only two or three sections of the of the state that has any real people living in it. Why is it taking them so damn long to count all, all of this? It looks like it does say for sure there's a runoff. With Warnock and Walker, that's interesting because they were neck and neck last I saw. What happens when you drop out any percentages that might have voted for somebody else? That's going to be a very, very small tip of the scale. Plus, 
you got to get people out to vote again. Will the voting uh, numbers be similar to what they were this go-around? Will the motivation be there for people to get out and do it a second time? You know the Republicans will. They always do. We just heard from the stupid fake commercial. They always do. It's the damn Democrats that sit around and say, I don't really know. It doesn't really matter anyway. That's been a long time Democrat, independent, libertarian, or not GOP-based opinion, which has always uh, really annoyed the hell out of me. But this whole blue, or excuse me, red tsunami, you know, hashtag red wave, red scare, whatever the hell that people were trying to, you know, just go crazy, especially on Twitter, it's just laughable. It is so, so laughable. It happened... Also, in 2018, the blue wave was coming. The blue wave didn't come. There was no blue wave. I had some audio from Ralph Nader who went on and on about, you guys, are the, you can't beat the worst Republican Party in history. If I had the audio quickly, I'd play it. What's the matter with the Democratic Party? They're, they're a mess. And he was right then, and they're still correct now. Republicans are having the exact same issue. And when are people who, generally speaking, are highly regarded as intelligent people going to stop being so such Alzheimer patients and stops putting so much faith in polling leading up to the uh, a political election night. Is, is 2016 not re- just scar anybody for the rest of their life to, to realize that polling was already difficult to rely on and after 2016 completely impossible to rely on? There's no red wave. Yeah, the House is probably going to the uh, to the Republicans by a couple of seats. Good, fine, whatever. I mean, there needs to be a check and balance on on the the maniacs that have had the uh, the offices for the last two years. A lot has been done poorly, but they're not going to be able to come in here and now start doing what they thought they were going to do, like passing uh, nationwide abortion bans and. Uh, and impeaching the president every other five seconds because that's what Marjorie Taylor Greene has already said she's going to do. She didn't, like, hint at it. Her and that dipshit Gates. And then did Bimbo Bird end up winning Colorado? Oh, man, when I saw she was close to losing, that was so funny and fun to see, but I think she might have ended up pulling out. I'm sorry, I just don't have the resource to look really quickly as I don't have any time to spare right now. But even if, so, if that's not that important. That's just uh, I don't want to have to hear from her regularly anymore. But this is fine. A little bit of shift in power every now and again. It's kind of what holds a democracy together. That and the belief that this democracy is real, which I still believe in. So, yo, the red wave is coming. Yeah, I don't think so. It also looks like the Senate at least will stay tied 50-50. But even if it doesn't, there's, these are not the kind of numbers that make real change as far as like drastic mo- movements of law changing like national abortion bans, which is what the Republicans are going to do whenever they have the numbers. Once again, they ain't hiding it or hinting about it. They're going to do it. They've said so. And I think that really got a lot of people out and said, we got to keep this from happening. And maybe you can just string this thing along for long enough until you can do something different legislatively once a, you know down the road. If, if I don't want to talk too far ahead because every two years, which is a drop in the bucket, you know, minds shift and what people care about, you know, our attention spans from adults to children is just absolutely nothing. So I think it's overall a good good election night and um, good overall results that I think will gridlock D.C. for a little bit. That's going to, you know, be annoying, but I think it needs to happen sometimes. We're going to be dealing with debt ceilings and government shutdowns every other 
quarter or however long they do or don't kick those cans down the road. That That is coming 100% for sure. And then a bunch of legislation that the Senate will shoot down every time the uh, the the majority House comes up with some bizarre bill that they know that won't pass. And it'll just be all dog and pony shows. And uh, the circus is in town with the television product that is the political entertainment complex. And I will be turning that off. Uh, Trump's right back in this mix. We'll see what happens in the next week. I don't know how powerful he is anymore. I just don't I just don't know. I think he probably still carries a good amount of weight, but this stuff changes so frequently and there are so many people who want to vote Republican so bad, they want a GOP government so bad and just hate that piece of bleep so bad. There are so many of them. And really the only people who don't are the types that voted for the first time in 2016. So I was like, cock an eyebrow. When's the first time you voted? 2016? All right, well, then your, your opinion over here doesn't count all that much. I mean, you, you get to say something. You're American. You have the freedom to say it. But I don't think a whole lot of people are going to be listening to what your thoughts on policy is if you're a grown-ass adult and 2016 was the first time that you voted. Now, I'm not trying to be uh, sanctimonious over here and holier than thou. I didn't start, <coughs> excuse me, I didn't start voting until 2006. Now, to my defense, I was still in my mid-20s, and that was now pushing 20 years ago, so my track record is uh, it's sure as hell better than just getting started in 2016. So we'll see how that all unfolds. Here uh, locally, a couple of small things I'll jump to that have nothing to do with this on the way out here, and I'll just look at some local stuff as this segment might be a little short. Fleischman wins, of course, here in the um, 3rd Congressional District. I was actually pretty surprised. Meg Gorman, who I voted for just to uh, just to try to, you know, keep the votes flowing on that side. Uh, Chuck Fleischman doesn't need my vote. Fifty eight thousand fifty eight and a half to 40, just over 40,000. So, I mean, that's a decisive win, no doubt. But that's a that um, seems to be a little bit better number than I remember seeing in uh, the past. I don't know why I even printed some of these out. Hazelwood wins District 27 by a lot. Uh, okay, here we go. So I went on and on about this for a few, and a couple of people liked it on socials, and one or two even like got a hold of me and said, hey, I, I voted that way too, and I'm glad that you brought it up so people could look at it. Constitutional Amendment number four. This amendment was to delete the section that says uh, a priest or gospel minister could not be uh, or was not eligible to run in any state house or uh, senate seats and i love that writing of the uh, of the constitution and i like it even more technically because the next line is atheist can either so i'm fine with like both both ways all or none i, I it, but one and not the other I, then I start having some issues with, and especially I have issues with priests now can, but atheists still can't. First of all, how do you even decide whether someone is or isn't a believer or non-believer unless he just comes right out and says, hey, yeah, I don't believe in God. That's silly. All y'all are idiots. What is that, like, put you on some kind of banned list? Or are you, like, certified somehow as somebody who is now ineligible? I don't even understand that. If you're a priest and you're a minister, 
Well, that's pretty clearly on the book somewhere. Hey, we see where you work. We see what you do. This is documented. You are now ineligible. This turn this this idea that atheists can't run for office is kind of like the thought police. Like, well, I changed my mind. I believe in God now. Oh, uh, no, you don't. Uh, yes, I do. Oh, here I'm praying, Lord Savior. Thank you so much for this daily bread. Oh, please make sure I don't die at night. Like, I mean, what? How does this go? How does this work? So, if you want to eliminate all of it and just say, "Hey, it's up in the air. Everybody can run," you know, I'd be closer okay with it. But this is not that. This is we're getting rid of the only part that can be documented and leaving the thought police part in. And whether people knew what they were voting for or not. A good wide margin of them, almost double, said yes to getting rid of that verbiage. Almost 60,000 votes, yes, to eliminate that wording from the Constitution in the state of Tennessee. And 36,000 said no. Be careful what you wish for. If anybody tells you that voting in Collegedale doesn't matter, they were picking Collegedale Commission and just about every one of them are within about 100 votes of each other for two of these commission seats, 1,100 to almost uh, to 1,006 and then to 1,002. So the person on the outside looking in was less than 40 votes shy of being on the Collegedale Commission. Voting doesn't matter, doesn't count. I promise you that it does. Another case here in where I live, East Ridge, council vote for two. The guy I voted for, actually, both the people I voted for, both won. David Tyler and Jackie Cagle. Jackie Cagle is being reelected. David Tyler, um, this is his first seat, I believe, and his mailers all looked good. They were all clean. They were all very blue in color, and they were not attacking anybody. And at this point with the Eastridge Council, that's all I need. So with an incumbent and then a, a, a new guy who looked impressive, and I've, I know what he looks like, but I've never actually met him. Anyway, 2,600 to 2,165, and then the third guy who's outside looking in is 2,121. Also, right about 40, what is that, 44 votes shy separates a seat on the East Ridge Council. Yes, indeed, voting matters. Same thing here with the Lake Site Commission. Nobody cares about that. Again, I just started printing off just one after another. Everything was very close in the Ridgeside Commission within less than 100 of each other. Same deal with the Signal Mountain Town Council. Vote for three. Well, actually, there was only three running, so that wasn't going to be too difficult. Uh, Saudi Daisy Commission is the final one. Also a very close race. All separated the, well, the fourth one is about 250 or so out, so not quite as close. But there you go, election um, 2022 midterms. I, did, I didn't see the other constitutional amendments. I think they all went yes so the, the slavery off the books one, uh, and I don't even remember what the other two one. The only one I really cared about was the uh, the Constitution in Amendment Number Four. And with just a couple minutes left here, and I'll wrap up this segment. A few things I printed off that I was not able to get to because of having to shift the show around on the fly at what is now four thirty in the morning. Uh, Red Wolves and Coach Jimmy Obleta, Obleta is how you say that maybe, are parting ways. He's been on a administrative leave for about half the season and I never could quite get to the bottom of this I had CFC kind of informants if you will people that could give me some news whenever there was something going on when the soccer wars were really hot the soccer wars are not really hot anymore and it's kind of because the CFC has cooled off 
Now, maybe it's just because I'm not there. I'm not right next door to it at my old work for all those years. I'm not close enough to feel where the energy might be coming from. But overall, generally speaking, from a social standpoint, from an advertising standpoint, they're not, I'm not saying CFC is dead, but I'm saying that that property is not nearly as hot as it once was. And the Red Wolves have a seemingly endless amount of money to spend on everything other than their parking lot. I don't know why they can't throw down some damn asphalt, but the building looks good. The advertising looks good. The colors, the logos, the uh, play on the field, it all looks good. And uh, But they had some issue with their coach, and I never could figure out why. Something like some bad behavior to, uh, creating or, to, or uh, creating a, a toxic environment. Uh, let's see. Here's a quote from him. It says, I want to tr- be transparent with the situation. At no point have I ever put any player in harm's way, use racial or homophobic slurs, or abuse any players. All this was substantiated through a league and club inst- uh, investigation. So the reason he's saying I didn't do any of those things is because clearly somebody accused that he did. Uh, looks like there was a spike in gas the day after the election. Of course there was. But we're still sitting at the cheapest gas in the state of Tennessee, and it's by far the cheapest. I haven't paid over 3 bucks a gallon in quite some time. And until it hits three, I'm usually pretty good. Now, part of that is because I'm strategically spending money at Food City to be able to get their fuel rewards points. And somebody could come in and say, well, hey, it's, you're spending more money over here to save money over here. Well, I got to go to the grocery store. You know, I'm going to go and I might as well keep it at the same place in house there. And I think we can thank Georgia because of their their gas tax is still uh, uh, suspended right now. So Georgia Gas, you can go down to Walmart and 2A if you can deal with that second world feeling kind of country of a north portion of the state and get gas for under three bucks for a long time now. Got it for 282 the other day. So I have, it's been a long time since I've paid over $3 a gallon. Where are they saying some of the cheaper places? Of course, the the Sam's uh, on Lee Highway seems to be here in Chattanooga proper where the cheapest gas tends to always be. Of course, they're taking a huge slash because it gets people in the door. And I think, oh, one more. I was going to do a whole segment on it, but Hamilton County teachers now required to lock classrooms. That'll fix it. That'll take care of the problem right there. Dust your hands off, Bill Lee. Took care of that one. Now, should they lock the doors? Fine, I guess. Sure. I don't. Yes. Go ahead. Lock the door. It, it can't be worse by having the door locked. No matter what the situation is, whatever the problem might be that arises at a school, it can't get worse because the door's locked unless there's like a fire or something, I guess. So, yeah, go ahead. But this idea that I've just I've, I've pushed some kind of executive order that's here really making a difference by a... Uh, just the typical talking points type of governor, uh, GOP governor that Bill Lee is, um, the sign every Bill Lee, it's just laughable. It's laughable, laughable, laughable. Uh, the party that cares so much about kids and what they do or don't learn or who they do or don't hang out about doesn't have a problem in the end with them being constantly murdered by guns. 
Oh, Brian, guns don't... Shut up. Shut up. No, guns kill people. And the people who have the guns kill people. And the people who shouldn't have the guns in their hands kill people. And that is one I'll... is a hill I will die on for the rest of my life. I hate guns. I hate guns. I hate guns. I hope I wasn't unclear. What the hell happened to me over the last 24, 36 hours that has derailed my whole week and has me up in the middle of the night recording this? I'll tell you a story from years back and a story from two days ago coming up next to wrap up the show. Now back to more Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. The doc, guess what? They don't try to fix anything anymore. They stop trying to fix shit when you get to be 40. They don't, they just go, yeah, it starts to happen. They don't care. I went to the doctor because my ankle hurt, right? Now, if you're 20 and you have a bad shoulder, the doctor will reconstruct your shoulder through miracles of modern science. He'll take your ear and make a shoulder out of it. It's weird. When you're 40, they just give you no options. They don't care. I went, because my ankle, like I was limping for like a month out of nowhere. And the doctor, he brings me and he shows me an x-ray of my ankle. He's like, yeah, your ankle's just, uh, just worn out. What do you mean, I injured my ankle? He's like, no, it's just shitty now. I was like, well, so just goodbye? Nothing? Is there nothing? You're just, nothing? There's no, it's like incurable, shitty ankle. That's it. And he goes, well, there's things you can do. You can stretch. Uh, for a half hour a day, you should stretch your ankle. <laughs> like, how long will that take to fix it? He's like, no, you just do that now. That's just a new thing you do until you and your shitty ankle both die. You can cancel Louis C.K. if you want. I never will. I've had that one in the back of my head for a long time. Yeah, so how long do that makes it better? Oh, no, you just live with it like that now. That's just how it goes. I don't know, some people who are older listening to this are like, yeah, no bleat, dude. <laughs> Could ask me about that a long time ago. Well, I finally turned old recently. Another cut here from Driving and Crying. I'll tell you, the house sounds different in the middle of the night. I've got, because my mic will pick up a little extra stuff that you're not going to hear on here, and it's been spooking me out. Just saying. Um, so I finally turned old here, COVID year, really. 40th birthday was at the very start of, of the COVID overreaction nonsense. That canceled everything and all those things and all the important things like schools and all important things like, you know, jobs and businesses and all the not important things like concerts and birthday celebrations. And it really, it kind of changed America's overall at least from my standpoint, it feels like from business to personal to uh, organizationally, it kind of changed the way people approach things. Sure, sure as hell changes their attitude, and it um, it shifts the way they they view the world. And maybe that's an overreaction from just my own anecdotal situation. Maybe it's not that much different or not. But for me, it's way different, way different. Things I used to care about a lot. I barely care about now or maybe don't care about at all. And things that I only sort of cared about are long gone, long off the, r- the list 
of anything I'm going to spend time caring about, speaking about, giving an opinion about, or talking about. And part of that was it was just time to grow up. It was just time to stop living like you're in your mid-20s into your mid to late 30s, which is what I did. Now, I had a damn good time, and I still have fun time. I know how to have fun. I'm not in the business of going and doing things that are not fun. I'm not interested in throwing bad parties. I'm not interested in going to bad parties or going to good events or bad events or throwing bad events. I'm only going to be involved if it's going to be fun. I still know how to, how to make that happen. I'm still good at it. And if you like the same things that I like, if you're tagging along with me or vice versa, most people that I still know and still tag along with, then we're going to be in like-minded company and we're going to enjoy ourselves. You can trust me on that. But along with also not caring about things, and uh, interest waning, my uh, health is finally catching up to me considerably, too. Now, nothing to be alarmed or dangerous yet overall. Blood pressure is just a terrible issue I have right now that I am consistently seeing doctors and trying to try different things and different, especially changes in the next year of how I can get that a little more under control. It's not like, you know, you're about to die bad, but it is like you will eventually. But that has nothing to do with this. I want to tell a quick story from about 15 years ago. Maybe, I think it was about 2009. Actually, it was. It was absolutely 2009. I had gotten into a habit because of some dirty, dirty doctors that were terribly over-prescribing a large amount of the driver force fleet we had um, at my job then that I still have now, back then, Carter Distributing. And... Uh, through favors or through trades or through maybe a little cash exchange, I would get Xanaxes from them. I would I liked them. I didn't take them often back then, but I did every now and again. And then I got to where I liked taking them at work sober because it made me more focused. The drug really helped me. And, um, I mean, I was a laser focused. It makes time disappear, and it just washes your memory. But for me at the time, I am completely on it. I'm not spaced out. I'm not like, you know, slobbering on myself like so many pill heads do. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, except for by the time I would get home, first thing I do is have drinks, a beer, probably more beer back then, but liquor I'm sure, at times, I'm sure too. Regardless, it was immediate. Like the beer after work thing, that's always been my thing. Have a few of those. Have too much Xanax in your system because the more you take it, the more the more you have to take of it because it get you get so immune to its effects so quickly. That's what makes it such a dangerous drug. I mean, I hate this stuff. Now I won't touch it. Period. End of verse. There is no scenario where I'm taking a Xanax ever. Um, but then I was a pretty big fan. And one night, there's several of these stories I'm sure that I'm not remembering that are probably pretty good. But one in particular. Where I woke up the next day and my closet door was ripped off the hinges. It's one of those like slide doors. And I had a terrible gash in, the, in my shoulder blade. Blood all over the shirt and all over the, the, uh, the sheets. Not like a bloodbath, you know, but, you know, still, it hurt like hell. And I'm just like, what the, f like, what in the world happened? Well, I'm able to piece it back together, and then your mind is erased by this stuff, but when something happens and it's, you know, like if you were in a car wreck, you'd remember that moment you, you, know, you hit, or if you were thrown through a door or something. Well, that's basically what I did was threw myself through a door. I started having, oh, my God, I fell into the door and broke it right off. And then I 
like <laughs> naked gun style or something, then stepped around and fell backwards and hit my shoulder blade on the corner of a end table size two drawer filing cabinet from like the 1990s, mid 90s probably. Had this cool wood grain color. I thought it was cool and vintage. Pure metal. Right on my shoulder blade. Didn't need stitches or anything. It just hurt for a while. I still have the shirt that I was wearing that night. It has a big gash in the back of it. Now, I'm not one of those that you know does what ifs and, oh my God, if this happened, this could have happened. But I would be fooling myself if I didn't say, dude, if that fall happens about a half a foot to eight inches above where you got hit and a little more centered, there's a good damn chance you crack your head open, you lay there, passed out, and bleed out and die. That's not an overreaction. And it wasn't long after that that I got off that stuff. Luckily, I did not take it so frequently and so often that I, I needed medical assistance to get off of it. I was able to just realize this is dangerous and I'm not going to stop drinking. And that's the reason I never took pills when I was young, because I watched my friends take pills and drink and look like fumbling, bumbling morons. And so I knew just enough, and then I stopped, and I'm fine. Everything's good. Well, this isn't one of those stories, but it's it, it, it was startling in a way here that I didn't know what to do with myself. So I go, I stay up too late on Tuesday watching election coverage and then some DVR a little bit, and then I'm having a little tipsy on the gin and tonic, and I took a Benadryl because I had a little bit of a sneeze, plus the stuff knocks you the F out. Don't mix Benadryl with alcohol. It's not a good mix. I already knew that, but I thought it'd be fine. And I'd always take a melatonin. Hell, I took a melatonin three hours ago when I couldn't go to sleep, and I'm still sitting here now getting a little groggy. But so that was an instant, you know, kind of black me out kind of moment that I was not expecting. And I woke up on Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, which for me is early. And my knee hurt like hell, like really hurt, trouble putting any weight on it. What the hell? And I start looking around. I'm trying to figure out, did I fall over something? Did I twist it on something? Did I, you know, I've got no other blemishes on my body. I've got no, no discoloration in the knee and it's below the knee as well. It's it's long. It's more than just the knee. There's no swelling and there's no actual point where I can point to and say here's where the pain is it's just once I start to walk I basically collapse to the floor now at first it wasn't that bad and I walk kind of walked it off if you will quote-unquote walk it off and I made lunch and I went to work and I, I was able to kind of walk with only barely a limp and I thought you know I'll just try my best to not look like I'm hurt so I don't have to sit around talking about this with anybody and by the end of the day, surely it'll be gone. No big deal. So I start working on the prep for the show. And um, and just a day goes along. And about 3, 3.30, going on 4 o'clock or so, I start to realize I'm not just having pain when I walk. I'm having nonstop, consistent pain in my left leg, knee to basically halfway down my calf. What in the hell? And, like, I can't, like, what happened? you twist it? I don't know. I blacked out, and I'm not sure what happened. But it doesn't look like anything. I don't know. This is so bizarre, and it's almost scaring scaring me is the wrong word, but it's concerning me anyway. And the course of the day gets worse and worse. And by the time I leave the office about 6.30, 
It's everything I can do to just hold onto the side of the wall and drag my leg down the ro- down the hallway. Get into my car. I'm s- almost screaming. I'm grunting nonstop in pain. Pain I don't ever remember feeling before for that kind of consistency. Took it to the house. Um, it's about seven at this point. I still haven't eaten since then. I mean, since the early afternoon yesterday. And it's just, I started, you know, if you ever get sick or, or have pain enough that it makes you sick, it makes you feel like I'm getting hot flashes a little bit. I really don't feel well. And so I laid down. I'm like, there's no way I can do this show because I'm sitting in the living room putting ice on it, but there's no swelling. So the ice is for swelling generally. Now, it did make it feel technically better, but that's not really a remedy if you don't have any swelling or discoloration. There's nothing torn, it wouldn't appear. And uh, and I'm sitting, I can't even form a sentence. I can't string a sentence together. My, the pain is I'm huffing and like, oh, God. Like If I just try to barely move my foot to the left, like, you know, three inches. That's pain that I've never felt before. So I uh, I scratch the radio show or the the podcast. I call my mom. She's a medical professional. That's not her expertise. But like, where do I go? What do I do? What do you think? And she's like, Well, we'll talk in the morning. She's like, We can go now. I'll take. She's a big fan of going to the emergency room. Not a chance. So I'm not going to the emergency room. But we'll go in the morning, or I'll start. We'll make some calls, and she'll help me walk through that. Forty two years old, still needs his mother to help him figure out how to, <laughs> how to arrange a doctor's appointment. But, I mean, I just don't know what anybody's going to do. Are you going to take an x-ray of it? That's fine. Uh, there's uh, Maybe I'm wrong and there is structural damage, but I just can't see how. And I do have a history of, of, of pains in my extremities that come and go, especially in the wintertime. Could this just be uh, that, that no medical professional has ever been able to figure out? And this has been going on for 15 years. Is this an extension of that? Or am I, like, having hypertension and I'm about to die? Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. So, that's just about it. And I will wrap up the show a little early today, it looks like. But uh, So, then I go lay down at about 8 o'clock. 7.30, 8 o'clock. And I just, I just got myself... I took some Advil. That helped the, uh, the pain. Like, it was, not, it was not pain if I'm walking. It was pain if I'm just laying there. Or sitting there. And I've been here now since 3 o'clock in the morning. And that was just 7 hours before. 6 hours before that. So clearly it's getting better. I can sit here pain free without moving. But as soon as I stand up, I'm going to almost collapse to the, to the floor. It's still that bad. It's just so much better now. That even though it's awful. <laughs> it's not like. I don't want to use the word excruciating. But it's not a constant never ending pain. And once I was able to get that after taking Advil and laying down. I was asleep pretty quickly in and out from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m. And I got up and I took a a melatonin at 2 and I laid back down and I'm just staring at the ceiling, wide ass awake. And there's nothing more maddening to me in my brain than staring at a ceiling when I know I need to be asleep. If I do have something else to do, which in this case, I had this, I wanted to do it, topical material. I put all the effort into it. I hate wasting time when it's in any setting, but certainly when it comes to production of radio and podcasts, I hate wasting time. I love to do it well and do it right, but I, if you ask me to put something together, I mean, it's be back in the days with Jeff. Like, hey, pull this and pull this and pull this and pull it. We didn't, we didn't use any of it. 
Well, sorry. You have to get... Okay. All right. Fine. So um, I just figured, you know what? What the hell? I can get it posted by five. And as I look at the clock right now, it is 4.48 and 15 minutes into this segment. So I'll wrap it up a couple minutes early. And thank you so much for being here and listening to that long-winded story. I've got a compression sock. You know, it's it's a well compression sleeve, I guess, uh, over my leg. And um, I'm going to take some more Advil and... We'll see. I had Thursday night plans to go out for some trivia. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if my Friday night plans are going to happen. I don't know. So I'll be seeing the doctor, and my guess is they're going to say, yep, I don't know, just uh, sleep it off, bro. That's what it seems they say every time I go for any other reason. And that is all. Thank you so much. Stone on Air on all social media is how you can find it. Stoneonair at gmail.com. If you want to drop a line, if you're at, ever at a place where they ask you rate and review and uh, comment or any of those kinds of things, I'm not going to rate and review your podcast or your show or what you do, but if you did it for me, I'd appreciate it. If you said, screw you, buddy, I don't feel like it, I'd be fine with that as well. Maybe we'll see you Friday night. Maybe I'll never see you again, or maybe we'll do this again next Thursday, which will be the final one before Thanksgiving, and I will not have a show that week because I'm actually traveling for Thanksgiving this year. More on that coming up next week. See you later. Bye.